Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello, everyone. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Stephanie Yarderback a Swedish mother of two who won her first race for 20 years at Haydock Park on the 4th of August. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It was a long wait, but as you said on TV, it's a long story. And how long have you got, you said, to the uh, interviewer after you won the race? Um, well, we've got about 20 to 25 minutes to to find out. Uh, sure that's plenty enough time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's quite a lot, quite a lot to talk about. Let, let's begin by going back to the the previous winner back in Sweden. What can you remember about that? That was, I think, May two thousand and two. Yeah, um, I started to ride in racing when I was about thirteen, actually. So this would have been seven years later. I got to win a race finally. So I I started riding for a really small trainer. Called Stanley Nell when I was 13. And um, I was there after school every day. So I went to school, came home, cycled out to the stables, rode about three, four horses every day. And I did that for three years, I think. And um, then I met uh, Stephen Hill. He used to be a jockey in the UK and he came over to Sweden and he was a jockey there. Then he became a trainer. And um, so I joined him when I was about 16 and same again I went to school came home rode out for him the thing is like in Sweden racing is really small uh, so staff is hard to find and staff that can ride race horses especially um, and it so happens to be that we were in the same village where I grew up so that was really handy for him because then that, that meant he didn't need to get his um, jockey friends to come and ride out for him and he taught me loads, like race riding and how to break in yearlings. Uh, we went to Doncaster and bought, he bought some horses there in the sales. So I got a feel of being here in the UK. Um, he helped me get my license, my amateur license. And uh, the first horse I rode was for him. That was a. So how old were you when you read your first race? 18. And that was a. T- Abbey in Stockholm, which that track doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it had been raining solid for days, and this was like in July or something. So it was just you could just mirror yourself, it was that much water on the track. So I came back, it was a mile and a half, and I was last the whole way around, and I was covered, covered in mud. And he just laughed at me when I came back. And, and I, I remember my legs were like jelly. I was so nervous and had been on a strict diet. I don't know why, because I didn't need to be that light, but I was like 50 kilos. I was so weak. Um, but obviously, I got more rides. I had about 
17, 18 rides in the end. Um, uh, got rides for different trainers. And after a couple of years, yeah, the 2000, uh, two, no, 2001, um, I started riding for this trainer as Jagersru, which is in Malmö. Um, so I went to uni that year. And in the mornings, I used to go to the racetrack and ride out, ride work. And then changed in my car, <laughs> and off I went to university. You were yeah. juggling things even then, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, at the end of that that university year, I then got to ride this horse called Tai. and he, he really reminds me of Billy. Actually, when I think back, he's same build, same kind of type of horse. Uh, Billy's a bit more quirky, but lovely horse. Um, gelding as well I think he was seven years old and he had been uh, piloted by other amateur jockeys that you know worked for him and also won so he was great you know um but then I had already booked my ticket to go traveling um to Australia well, we're gonna we're gonna come back to that so uh, I just wanted to, to start with by getting you to talk about your first winner for 20 years and you've mentioned there Billy, which is Billy Roberts, the uh, yeah. nine year old that you uh, uh, rode to victory at Haydock in the 507, a handicap yeah. for female amateurs, trained by Simon Whitaker. Were you confident before the race? Because um, looking at his form, he'd been second in the previous three races and you'd been second on him at Pontefract yourself. Yeah. Well, things. <sighs> Dean, who owns him, he he had it all planned out in his head. But I, we going back to the start of all this with Billy, uh, me and Dean and Amanda, who we ride out for Simon, and we were joking about it, like, oh, no, I would love to ride again, and just once, you know, have that feeling again. And Dean said, well, we can sort. I get your license, and and you can ride Billy. So I was like, oh, okay. So thought about it, and come to this year. Um, he was looking at the, the fixtures from last year and said, there's a race that you can ride uh, at Ascot. So that was on the 5th of uh, May, I think it was, yeah. So we had him here over winter. He won three races last year, came home for the winter, and uh, I started riding him in March, I think it was, this year. And... I think I only rode him once at Simon's the year before, like last year, and I, I didn't really like him because he was really quirky and pulling his head and he's got his tongue out and it's like strutting everywhere. I was like, you can have him back. I said, I don't want to ride him. <laughs> but um, so he was here at home. I thought, right, I'm going to have to get used to this horse and because uh, it's the only way I'm ever going to get near a racetrack. So tacked him up and we, we were riding around among Fryston in the fields and, you know, cantering him around and, uh, yeah, got to know him. So he, he went, went okay. We went into Simon's then. Um, uh, the, the race at Ascot changed So because it was last year's fixture. So we, we aimed for, uh, I think it was the race at Haydock. You were fifth on him at Haydock, weren't you? Yeah. The thing was, it was a bit too far for him. And we weren't sure if he was going to stay. But at the end, it looked like he was. So we thought we'll try him at Ascot. Um, and it just, just going to Ascot is amazing on its own. So 
So I was like, oh my God, okay, we're going to Tesco. <laughs> but he was the worst horse in the race, so he didn't really have a chance. But, you know, you never know. You never know. You have to try. Um, but after that, we said, right, next race will be a Pontefract. That will be the right distance for him. And when we came up the last, the two furlongs, the last two furlongs, Serena, um, Brotherton, she she kind of stole the race because she went to the stand side, and which was faster ground. But Billy actually, he didn't run too bad on the softer surface. And the race after that, I think he was, it was at Haydock again. It was firm ground. And he always liked firm ground, but he didn't that day. So Dean thought he, he might actually like good ground now. because I mean, This is Dean, Dean McEwen, the ex-jockey as well, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, sorry. Um, and... Uh, so looking at the card going to Haydock, it looked like he would have a good chance because there were slower horses in the race that needed longer distance. And we knew Billy had a bit of speed in him at the end there. So I was pretty confident. Well, I wasn't confident. Dean was confident because, uh, you know, he knows Billy now and he can read the race. He's just such a good judge of form. And um, but I'm, I'm always nervous. I'm always doubting myself. But... He just said, no, no, you're going to win. You're going to win. Uh, so he said, just, you know, try and see if you can get cover. Because he settles really well when he gets cover from another horse. And if it doesn't work out, you take the lead and see what happens. Well, you won by a neck, but you looked like you were going to win easily from a long way out, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I come around, well, the other half of the track, I actually got squeezed, so I was pushed back, and I thought, oh, my God, this is not working out, because I'm really far back now, and then I thought, I'll just save some ground, going around the rail, around the bend, and then I just felt I had so much horse underneath me, I thought, this this might work out, actually, so I just crept up, um, passed a few horses, and I thought, I might win this, actually, and then when I passed all the other horses, and it, there was just silence, I was like, what's going on? Is there no one else behind me? You know, I couldn't hear anyone. But then obviously Emily came up next to me. She was gaining again. And but I, I could see the finish line and I, I wasn't really worried, but it was just, yeah, I couldn't couldn't believe it. I first over the line, amazing. Because um, a yeah. long time from the the, the race in yeah. Malmo. Although although Billy Roberts is I was looking up, he's run 62 times, he's won. 10 races he's still still got the legs to win more races yeah i rode him today and it just feels amazing as it hasn't taken anything out of him um so hopefully we can go again next week to red car hopefully uh he's uh rated 72 now because he won and it's uh i think it's 51 to 70 but if there's not enough horses he might get in and it would be amazing because my mum will be here that week. Um, she hasn't been here for a long, long time. Um, she's had cancer and her husband's had cancer. And and she was saying, you know, when I start riding again, she's oh, maybe one day I can I can see you ride again. And and it, it might happen. It might happen. Well, that'll be something to look forward to. Now, yeah. if we just go back to your beginnings. You, you, you talked about when you first started riding at a stable in Sweden. Is there any sort of, 
um, in your family any horsey background there, or was it your just as a going growing up where you just just liked animals or horses? Um, both my mum and my auntie they they were involved with horses, but it was show jumping, uh, venting, and stuff like that. My auntie had a riding school, uh, so that's where I started riding, and there was a pony there, a little piebald pony called Mimi. I used to ride. I have vague memories of her pulling her head down, so I I fell off in the mud with head first. Um, but yeah, so I, I gradually, obviously, I, I was there every week riding. Um, joined lessons when I got older, and um, my auntie's a great instructor. And um, it was when she she sold that farm, she kept her um, warm blood that she used to do venting with, and I then. Um, I used to ride him in the stable where he was based. They only had three stables. Um, so it was her warm blood sultan and a little pony called Cognac that she kept. And the other horse, the people who owned that place, they were involved in racing. And that was, that was just more the one horse that they had. He was a racehorse. And so I used to see them. Their son used to ride it around in the field. I had a little strip around the field where they used to canter him and I was like oh my god that is just it's wonderful you know this just looks amazing and um I had been reading up about horse racing you know reading books about it and stuff like that I used to read a lot um and I I, I never felt like show jumping and dress out and all that was for me I never really thought oh I'm gonna get you know stuck into this but horse racing I just wanted to become a jockey basically but you know racing is really small in Sweden but I ended up you know going to the races with this family and their son was riding for the Sten uh, Linnell that I joined when I was 13 because um, Marcus was his name he, he had allergy basically he was allergic to horses so he wasn't really ideal for him to carry on so I kind of took over so well yeah going back to my family then my mom Mum had, she had a horse when I was born, um, who I think he was only there for two years, my first two years, but I don't think she's ever ridden since, but she used to, you know, go to pony clubs and that when she was young and there's always been horses. So it's in in your blood in the family then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even my dad, he used to ride as well, you know, my aunt, he used to ride my auntie's horse, which I then ended up riding and um, yeah, yeah, always had animals in the family. And then just moving forward, uh, when you left Sweden, you said you went travelling. Was was it just the student in you that wanted to go travelling around the world then? Yeah, just, you know, I always thought, like, grass is always greener over there. Well, it's not really. But, yeah, you have to see it for yourself. And there was it was a dream for me to go to Australia because it just sounded amazing. And, and um, yeah, I had, like I said, I had booked tickets to go um when I won at eight on eight high and um the trainer said if you stay I'll give you more rides and he he said you can ride smoke bush there he was one of the better ones in the stable I was like oh. um I really appreciate that but I have already made my mind up when I booked this flight to go and I'm, I'm going um so yeah when traveling Brought me boots and helmet in the bag just in case, you know, something came up. But I just wanted to do something different for a while. 
Um, and you went to Shantee, didn't you, Anne? And uh, yeah, to and, Ireland as well. Yeah. yeah, so I just travelled Australia New Zealand, came back to Sweden for a few months, uh, tried different jobs that wasn't racing. Um, obviously didn't like it. And then Stephen called me up one day and he said, oh, um, this trainer needs um, a work rider in Shantee. Do you want to go? I said, yeah, when am I going? <laughs> so I think it was just, it took me two weeks and I was there. Um, so that that's just tells me tells you how much I missed it. You know, I took a year. It was probably a year I took off uh, from winning eight high to getting back into it. And obviously it was abroad. It was exciting. A new place, new people. And Shanti is beautiful. It uh, really is. I really like it there. Um, and then when the the trainer was Norwegian, so when the horses went back for the summer then to race in Scandinavia, I went to Ireland um, because I met my ex there. He worked there as well. So he, and he had been to John Ox. Um, so that's how we ended up there. Yeah, and, you, and at John Ox's, you were riding work with Derby and Art winning jockey Johnny Merton. Yes, uh, I think it was just once. But, ah, he yeah. still did though, yeah? Still did. And I rode with Mickey Nan a few times as well. I actually have the worksheet still. I've saved it because I rode Pepperwood, I think he was called, and he was on Asimov. So, yeah, I was, yeah, I couldn't believe that I got to ride with these jockeys and then now that John Ox put me with them. Just amazing. Well, what was it like to work for John Ox? Um, great. He's, he's a lovely man, very knowledgeable, like he's a vet as well. Um, yeah, just lovely man. And he, yeah, easy, easy to work for. It must have been a lot different riding out in Sweden than when you were riding out with John Ox in Ireland? Oh, a huge difference. Like in Sweden, there's two dirt tracks, um, two grass courses, and a string of four to six there is huge. I mean, I, I, I don't remember any stables having more than 30 horses. So John Ox, I think he had about 140 horses in the yard and about 60 on the farm in, on the other side of Kildare. Um, where the yearlings were and yeah we'd be about 40 um, riders in the string so yeah big difference um, um, and, and, and it was on the car ride like the, the difference there as well is like everything is open there's no railing as such well when you go to the old Vic which is near the racetrack there's a rail um, and there's sheep everywhere and uh, you know John would have to drive his car around and chase the sheep away before we could ride on the gallop so some mornings was just you know amusing the sheep would be lying there asleep and that um, but yeah it always worked out well in the end and that but say, same with the the facilities there on the Curra. Um I had never worked on grass before so that was a big difference for me um, there was obviously dirt gallops that we, we we went around every day but mainly they did the work on grass or up the old Vic and we mentioned it before you were at John's when Alam Shah won the Irish Derby and the King George and Asimore also won the King George and and you remember the Irish Derby victory of Alam Shah in 2003 yeah I was there um, I had only really started working for John Ox then, so 
um it was all very huge for me because coming from sweden like i said in the racing is so small the crowd was just a mid, like it was people everywhere you could barely see anything yeah i remember um alam shah he wasn't favorite and he was he, he was owned by aga khan and he had the second colors they were striped so didn't look anything like the aga khan colors um and dalakani was the favorite um but yeah it was just amazing when alam shah won it and you know he was the better of the two and and I, we knew the groom, obviously, John Hines. And then he, he actually then was the groom to Asamore the next year, who also won lots of group races. And um, he was also groomed to see the stars later on. And so, yeah, I was delighted for John to have another big horse like that uh, in, in his stable. And then at some point, then you returned back to Sweden, didn't you? Um. Not quite because um, my ex he left John Oxen, he went to work for Kildangenstud, and so in, eventually I also ended up with Kildangenstud, uh, which is part of Darley. And um, we did yearlings, we broke yearlings, and I, I was listening to that interview you did with Ron Hutchinson last night. And he, when he said he stepped off the plane in Dublin in February and he felt the cold. I could just relate to that because it was freezing in the wintertime. It's a different cold to Sweden. It's like wet, and, you know, but, and I just miss the sun so much. <laughs> well, Ron, Ron's got an excuse. Ron comes from Melbourne. I know, I know. You well, come from Sweden. I thought Sweden was always cold. Not in the summer. It's really warm. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I've been in Ireland for a while. It's like I really need a bit of sun on my back and um, got this job offer in Greece. So me and my ex, because we, we've done yearlings together, we ended up breaking yearlings for a trainer in Greece for the for the winter. And it turns out it wasn't really that warm in Greece in the winter anyway. Um, but, yeah, it was an experience. Um, but then we, we, we thought we'd better get back to, you know, main horse racing country. So went to England and ended up with Henry Candy. Um, so I was there for about two years Um also a lovely man, Henry Candies. He reminds me a lot about John Ox. They're kind of similar people. But then, yeah, I decided I've, you know, I've had enough of this now. I want to go back to Sweden because I miss my family. And uh, so end, I think it was end of 2006, I went back to Sweden. And then I didn't sit on a horse again for another 12 years, I think it was. Is that when you had two children when you were in Sweden as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2012, my my son King was born, and I was working in a sports store over those years. Uh, not not the whole time, but I had different jobs. But my the main part I worked for Intersport. Um, but I always always thought about horse racing. I always missed it. It was always there in the back of my mind. But because you can't watch. English racing on TV there, like I just blocked it out, you know, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to block it out and then it's not going to worry me. Um, but when my, my, I was pregnant with my second child, um, Erin and, um, me and my ex, we, we had to move anyway to have a bigger place. Um, so it was like stay in Sweden or move somewhere else. And my ex is Irish. So, 
um, he 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 wanted to go somewhere different. So I said, okay, well let's let's go to England then. Um, so that was in 2015, and and I think it was just two months before my my little girl Erin was born. So it was touch and go uh, if we were going to make it or not to find a place. And it, yeah, it was a bit crazy, but um, that's how we ended up here again. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. So you must have had a desire to ride again, though. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously I start watching racing on TV and, you know, getting back into it, listening and, you know, just start to miss it really. And um, when when I worked for, when I worked in racing in the past, there was no social media like there is now. Um, and I start following jockeys on Instagram and seeing their stories like uh, Enable and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, I just, I'd love to do it again, you know. Um so yeah, that's when I I got in contact with uh, Richard Fay in uh, 2019, and I just wanted to ride a little bit. I didn't want to do it full time because obviously it was a mum and I had other responsibilities, um, and find find a job that suited school hours was not easy. Um, but once a week I rode out and start seven o'clock. And I I know Richard don't know, but I hadn't sat on a horse for 12 years. I had seven lots that morning. Oh, you kept that quiet, did you? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't say it to anyone. Um, but I could barely sit for two weeks. I was in agony. But I didn't say anything. My, my, my right arm was dead. I came back the next week and I had to sort of hold my arm when I had a horse that pulled me <laughs> <laughs> it was really really painful but I just thought no I have to do this I'm not going to give it away and after a few weeks you know my body got used to it again but yeah and you got the bug again you're now at um Simon Whitaker's yard um in West Yorkshire near Leeds what can you tell me about Simon's yard yeah, well, the reason why I ended up with Simon was because I was looking for someone that was closer to home because it was a 50-minute drive to Richards in Malton. Uh, so it was a bit of a trek to get there and back. So honestly, I didn't make any money really going there. But it was just, you know, I wanted to do it. Um, and then I contacted Simon. I didn't have any availability at the moment. But after lockdown, he contacted me and asked me if I wanted to come and, and ride out. And I said, yeah okay I can do it but I don't want to do it full time but then it sort of ended up like I took the kids to school then I went to ride out so I still had three lots at Simon's so I could go there every day instead of one day a week so it worked out really well and that's why I decided to stay what's a typical day like for you I know when you were interviewed on the television after winning the race you said how busy you were yeah, well, it's it's got busier this year uh, because I've added dog boarding into my life, 
Um, so I haven't really made myself any favours that way. But um, <laughs> me and Dean, we, we, we live on a, a livery yard. And so we have to obviously look after these horses that we have. Um, so I wake up about 5.30, o'clock. And uh, about half six, we're out there mucking out, getting them ready, going on a walker, put them on the, uh, out in the fields. Then about half seven, we, we go over to Simon's. We're there about eight o'clock, um, right out there till around midday. And yeah, then we come home. If we haven't finished the stables here, we finish them and then we have lunch. And then, yeah, the day carries on. I, I, I run, I do exercises. Um, your horses need to come in. If I have dogs, one of us stay at home and look after the dogs obviously they have to be walked as well in the morning so it depends if I have dogs or not because then obviously you have to get up earlier um because we help each other out you know so to make the day work I have I have my children every other week um because share with my ex and um so when they're here they have to go to school so obviously we we drop them to school and then we go together to Simon's to save fuel as we have to do these days um so yeah yeah the reason why we started doing dog boarding is because there was more horses here last year and we had some leaving and and i was thinking we have to make that income we have to get that income back that we've lost and and then a friend of mine she was going on holiday she said um you know you have such a big space you mind looking after my dog when i go away on holiday so one one led to quite a few more yeah, yeah and i thought oh wow yeah you're right I, I could do some of this and um then i looked up like dog boarding what do people charge and yeah you get a lot more for a dog a day than you do for a horse a day staying here so yeah it's, it's worked out really well actually and you have a funny story about the dogs on the haydock winning race day the day of the race at haydock I hadn't slept at all that night. I was so nervous thinking about it, that race going through my head. And um, so I got up really early. Anyway, we had some dogs. We had one dog. I walked it, went to work. I was there at seven o'clock and rode a few horses. I came back. Dean was going to take Billy to the races. So he had to get in the bath and so on. And we had had three dogs arrive while I was in work. And one was a little sausage dog that big. Anyway, um, they were barking, so he was scared. So he, he kept hiding everywhere. And then Dean said, right, don't let him out because he's an escape artist. I was like, right, right. So I put the two um, cocker spiders at the front of the house. And I thought I can put the other two there um, because he was scared. So I thought I'll just remove those dogs. Anyway, I came back in. Back door was open. I thought... There's only one dog here. Um, so I just panicked. I thought I went, I went out on the guy because he was really tiny, so he could have snuck through the fence anywhere. I thought, this dog is gone. I just walked around the garden shouting for him, Ernie, Ernie. There's obviously nothing there. And I thought, this dog is gone. I'm not going to get to Haydock today. So I had my breeches still on, uh, took my son's crocs, ran around the whole village looking for this dog, right? Crying, I was. Just, I couldn't believe I'm going to miss this day. Um, 
So I came back in and Dean said, where did you see him last? So I saw him in the kitchen before I put those dogs out the front. Anyway, so we went around, looked in the house. There he was, hiding in the corner of the kitchen side table there. <laughs> I, so, I couldn't believe it. I, I, my whole world just fell apart running after this dog and he was just there. The funny thing is, right, when, when the owners came to drop little Ernie off, they said, oh, we're off to Haydock. And Dean was like, oh, well, we'll see you there. <laughs> so, a- so, the, so the owners, so the <laughs> owners the dog, of, the, yeah. of the dog were at yeah. one point going to get to Haydock to watch and you weren't going to be there if you hadn't found no, the dog. I had arranged for, for someone, uh, well, Dean's daughter who lives next door, she was going to look after the dogs just for those hours we were away. But I didn't say that to anyone because the race had just popped up. I wasn't supposed to ride that day, really. We were aiming to go to Carlisle on the ladies, you know, the ladies' jockeys' day. Um, but that didn't happen. So I had dogs booked in that Friday, but I had no dogs on the Monday when the Carlisle meeting was on. So anyways, you have to work around things. But they were fine with it. All right, we'll, we'll see you later then. And <laughs> so when I was in the parade ring at Haydock, they were there, and I had never met them. Dean had met them in the morning, so I was like, well, lucky, luckily you found their dog, didn't you? And, so, and I win the race and I come back to the winner's enclosure and they were there. I said, this is just crazy. And I have my do- their dog in my house. <laughs> well, that, and the last, the last half furlong, I was so tired because the whole night of no sleep and then running after that dog and the stress and all. And I was finished. I was absolutely finished. But I won anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> The dogs are certainly keeping you busy, Stephanie. Yeah, they do. But I love dogs. I love horses. I love animals. So I get to work with something that I really enjoy. So, uh, you know, I'm busy, but I'm, I'm happy being busy. So. What, what's it like working for Simon? Is it a nice yard to work at? Yeah, yeah. It's, they have about 20 horses, about 12 of them. I'm sort of going all right at the moment um yeah it's a nice little family yard in the countryside um yeah. and do you ride out billy roberts yes me and days? Billy, yeah i ride billy or dean ride billy every day and uh, we even take him to the races when i ride like dean drives the horse box and um yeah it's it's, it's a right little operation <laughs> we don't gain anything from it really we just uh um just enjoy it for what it is you know the thrill um, well, that's what it's all about that's why you, that's why you came back to to, to ride isn't it to... yeah 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 i mean it is people don't really understand like when you're in racing how much passion you have for it because it's not something you do to, to be rich that's for sure um Costs more than you gain, really, <laughs> but it's worth it. You know, like days like when when you have a winner, it's, it's worth everything, and we really really enjoy it. I really enjoy it, and for Dean, it means a lot as well to see me and Billy, which he, well to win because he's he's had Billy since he was a yearling. He broke him in, and you know he's they just love each other. Them too. It's really nice to see. <laughs> well, Billy, Billy's first race was in, um, I looked up June 2015 and 
He's been ridden by um, Paul Moranen, uh, yeah. Jamie Spencer, the champion jockey, ex-champion yeah. jockey, John Egan have all all ridden Billy. So uh, yeah, yeah, you're following yeah, quite a few well-known while. jockeys. He's <laughs> been around a while, the Billy, but he's he's in his best form ever at the moment. He's squealing and jumping around. He's just full of life. You know, it's lovely to see horses that age still going so well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's real well, well, hopefully your mum will be able to see you when he races next time. What would it be like for your mum to be there watching you live? That would be amazing. Like She's been going through so much lately. and Her husband had cancer. She had cancer. Um, now her husband has cancer again. So she's found it really tricky to get to, to England to visit us. Obviously, with lockdown, I've barely seen her. Um, uh, so hopefully... Hopefully next week we we can get in at Red Car. If it rains and the ground is a bit um, on the softer side of good, that that would be perfect. And and hopefully it will happen. I wanted to mention your mum because she has a connection to the Nobel Prizes. Can you tell me about that? She has done the artwork to the Nobel Prize laureates, the diploma that they get. She they always have. Half the side is uh, art, and the other side is obviously the inscription of the des- describing the Nobel Prize and why they've won it. Um, it's all really professionally made. Like the, the leather is specific leather, specific color from if it's a physics prize or economy prize, uh, chemistry. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's really. Um, a prestigious thing to have done and they only select um, certain artists uh, they get to be Nobel artists for three years and they don't know how they pick them like they contact, contacted my mom to say that she was nominated she was one of the few that year and uh, the day before my dad's funeral they rang her and said that she got it so it was really really emotional um, you know, because my dad knew that she had been nominated, but obviously he didn't get to to experience it all. Um, but he had said, like, because when she did the physics prize, which Alfred Nobel considered being the most prestigious prize, uh, you she was then invited to go to the Nobel the award ceremony. Award ceremony. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can't buy a ticket to this. You have to be invited. Uh, so she was given two tickets and obviously she could then choose who she wanted to bring with her. And my dad had said, if I don't get to live to that day, bring Stephanie. Uh, so, yeah, it was really emotional. Um, and um, the third year she did it, that's when she got to go. Um, so we got all done up and looked like two little princesses trotting down the street, you know, <laughs> in midwinter. It was so cold. Oh, my God. Stockholm in December it's not a very warm place um but yeah it was just amazing they I mean the king and queen were there the prince was there and uh, so the king held the diploma in his hand when he handed it to to them but it was actually Peter Higgs um from the UK that won it that year and physics um so it was just amazing to experience it all and then after, after that was the banquet and I 
I was sat near the stairs where all the royals and everyone at the, the centre table, the important people, they were sat there. So when they were walking down the stairs, I was just stood there and it was just you know, like an out-of-body experience. And it's all televised as well, just so many people, um, millions of people watch it. And um, they asked my mum to do an interview uh, on TV that night. And it was the first time they had ever interviewed an artist uh, involved in this um, with the diplomas. And uh, I, I stood there in the background and I was typing to my friend, she's on TV now. And they were like, yeah, we can see you in the background on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So she was interviewed by the TV and, and um, um, yeah, it, it was just really wonderful experience. Well, thanks for sharing that with me. You must have been emotional with your dad passing away yeah, uh, just yeah. before that as well. Yeah, it was. Thank you very much for sharing your story, uh, Stephanie. Uh, first winner for 20 years. Hopefully there's going to be a lot more winners now and Billy Roberts can uh, go past that finishing line again. Um, hopefully even when your mum's watching in a in a short period of time at red car i hope so, I hope so really hope so any you know any chance i get to ride is you know i'm just so uh, grateful to get the chance um so fingers crossed yes <laughs> well thank you very much for joining me thank you very much for having me Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network.